0: On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the evolution of medicine, or Medicine 3.0. What exactly is Medicine 3.0? How does physical therapy play a role for it now and in the future? And do we see the profession moving in this direction in the coming years? Let's go! Welcome to the Sports Rehab Lab Podcast, where you'll hear real talk, from real clinicians who treat real sports patients. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sports Rehab Lab podcast. I'm Snape Patel, joined by our regular crew, Terrence Scroy, Pat Vignona, Robbie Andrews and Billy Maroney. And today we're going to go kind of a little bit off topic of our regular pods that we usually do on, you know, rehab conditions. We're going to talk about something that's been, I, I feel, coming into more discussion in probably the last five or 10 years, really in the last like couple of years. And that's kind of the the subject of expanding the human lifespan or Medicine 3.0, if any of you have uh, have looked that up or have heard about it. There's Kind of been a lot of discussion in the fact that, uh, you know, as a patient population is getting older, they want to be able to live longer and more importantly, just function longer as well. Like with running, you know, activities like playing golf, playing sports, they want to stay more fit. Uh, There is a lot of discussion out there about supplements, you know, diet, behavioral changes, other changes that have been discussed you know, as people try to attain this, but I think us as rehab professionals can play a huge part in this next advancement uh, of medicine as a whole. So, you know, we just want to get our thoughts out there. So, Terence, let's start off with you. What do you think? Like, how can we as physical therapists, strength training professionals, how can we help out with this new found way of going around medicine at this point?
1: So I mean I I don't think longevity's been talked about for you know the last five years maybe, but healthcare 3.0 is something newer that I've just recently heard about. Um, Maybe I wasn't listening to the right people, but it's it's a newer topic. So you know I've looked into it a little bit and for those who are not familiar, and this is just a very dumbed down version of it, but it's like healthcare 1.0 was the original form of healthcare, right? Like the voodoo type medicine that people talk about. Um, Healthcare 2.0 was more of what we're sort of experiencing before the randomized controlled trials. It's all this medicine where if you have a heart problem, you go to the doctor, they take care of the acute problem and your life is safe kind of thing. And then healthcare 3.0 uh, from my understanding of it, is it's more of a preventative medicine where it's patient-centered. So the patient has more of a part in their own healthcare and more of a shift towards preventing some of these, what would have been chronic diseases, before it becomes an acute problem. So, and I, and that's where again, from my understanding of listening to what I've listened to or reading what I've read is that's where things are shifting. So, I mean, I personally think that physical therapists are going to play a pretty big role in this because I, and I think we see it all already in our clinic. I mean, I've got patients um, who once were patients, but now want to just stay healthy and prevent, you know, some issues. They want to be able to play tennis longer or play golf longer. And they've taken it to their hands to privately, uh, pay for some sort of you know preventative care, whether it's you know getting on the phone or having someone come to the house. Um, I have patients that have trainers that you know tell them their VO two max every couple of weeks. I have patients that go to these concierge services, and I think we all have patients that go to these concierge services in Manhattan, you know where they get all sorts of scans when needed. They have you know trainers. They have um, all sorts of performance specialists, they give their VO two max tested. So there's a lot more available now. And I don't know if it's, you know, only for the wealthy. Um, but then even just you hear these stories about, um, it was like the Princeton longevity center down, um, I guess in Princeton where you go in, you get <clears throat> all the scans, right? So you walk in, you get your blood work, you get you see a physical therapist, you see a primary care physician, you get, you know, CAT scans or MRIs or whatever it is, and you identify these problems that you might have, and then you have, you leave there with this plan to sort of mitigate some of that stuff, whether stuff you want to know or not. Um, but it's interesting, you know, and I, I really think after like looking into it just a very little bit, again, it's like the tip of the iceberg, it's interesting to see how, that shift is already occurring, um, and I wonder sort of where we're headed next. I really do think this is the start of something bigger for um, just for our our population in general. And I think kids now too. I mean, kids. I feel like there's a generation that's not accepting the way things were done. And we see it just from the professional side, right? They, they people don't want to work five days a week. People don't want to, you know do what was done before and and i think everything's starting to shift now but i do think we're going to have a big role in it and what what do you guys think
0: i i agree i mean i think us as like physical therapists i think other people listening that are strength and conditioning specialists i think we're you know part of this part of this movement is patients trying to do things on their own to help themselves get better uh you know it's more of a patient-centric thing i think with us it's it's a basic thing about trying to get people as strong as they can i think our roles of physical therapists really you know give us that advantage to know how people should be moving you know what the optimal movement pattern of people is and how they're going to strengthen at the end of the day you know i was i i twitter a lot and there was a, a doctor from philadelphia who's Uh, I think in his mid-60s, and he is an orthopedic surgeon and he is hugely into strength training. And he put a nice thing on his blog that says, if you're not strength training now, you know, like as you're younger and building up those strength reserves, when you get into your 70s and 80s, you're not going to have that strength reserve to kind of help you out. So I think a lot of people are understanding that at this point where you know, back when my, my dad was, you know, in, like in the 70s or whatever, like I, working out wasn't just that big of a deal. I think that's just because they were stuck in the other part of medicine where, hey, you know, just like Terrence said, hey, you know, like you're, you're you're having something, we'll give you a pill and you're good to go and you're saved. But I think nowadays it's more of people wanting to do that stuff on their own to get themselves to that next level, that longevity level. And you know not just to make it to 80 but to function as a high level 80 year old doing what they like to do now like i don't think it's a an unheard thing of that you know an 80 year old wants to go you know run a 10k or run a marathon or whatever like i think things are trending more in those cases and us as physical therapists you know we are the people that people look for that, hey, I want to get stronger, but I don't know how to do it. Or, you know, am I moving the right way in order for me to do these exercises? I think our role with this type of medicine will be even more in the coming years. No, know, T, you talk about like you talk about like that concierge, uh, you know,
2: medical services that you see in especially in, in the city, in New York City. Um, and you I know people who go there and I talk to them. And these places, I think as PTs, we're we missing the boat a little bit because these places have these quote unquote kinesiologists or like movement specialists or and I think that that should be us. It shouldn't be. I mean, what even is a kinesiologist? Is that like is that a, a test? Do you have to take a test to become a kinesiologist? Or you no? majored in, mm-hmm. in
3: college. Masters. Yeah, so then I'm a kinesiologist. Yeah. 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 Same. Maybe yeah, we, we go do go. a certified.
2: So I, I think that we're we're missing the boat. On that a little bit, because I feel like we're overqualified to be that, because we understand the movement, the physics, and we understand the the injury aspect and and what it, what it takes to recover from that injury aspect. Um, but I think that it's right now it's still in that that higher end, um, you know, more affluent setting. I don't think it's more very accessible to the the norm the normal people.
0: Um, Yeah, but I think there's also
1: a role for like trainers, right? It's like Jamie, like strength coaches. And I think that's separate from us where, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a gray line. But to your point, if someone has surgery or if someone has an acute injury, we are the ones that can help get you to the point where you can go back and play your sports or whatever, do whatever activity you want to do. But then from there, it's you've got to figure out how to maintain that. And yes, we can help with that. There are strength trainers, kinesiologists, kinesiophobists or whatever they want to call themselves physio physios whatever Easy. yeah so <laughs> yeah I, I mean i think so we people are living longer now 150 years ago people lived to their 40 now you're living to your 80 but i mean the point that other people bring up is has the quality of life doubled the and the answer is no because you're living longer but people are in pain as they get older and they're not taking care of some of their orthopedic issues, potentially there's balance issues, strength issues, all of that. And that's where I think we can come in. <clears throat> but the other thing that I think some of these concierge places offer that like, standard medicine doesn't now is it's you know about the patient, right? So you have six or seven different professionals and experts in their own you know part of the field and they all collaborate for that particular patient and there's a plan for the patient. Whereas now, if if you have any issue now, right, you have to seek out the specialist, then you have to go find where to do your imaging, then you have to get your imaging results and call the specialist back and say, hey, what'd you find? And then they say, oh, you might have to see a cardiologist now. So now you've got to call a different cardiologist and the process just takes forever. And it's on you to do it. So I think that there's going to be a shift where it's a you know, you have, and I, I, I mean, I think there are some hospital settings and I mean, we're probably one of them just from the orthopedic standpoint where, you know, we can do that, but we're the patients in the middle. You have experts talking about that particular patient. There's a plan for that patient that, and the patient understands a plan. And then this is how you get there. And I think, you know, just from our point of view, like things that we can do, I think the big problems are people don't exercise, right? In general. Right? I mean, outside of people that we know, there's a lot of people that don't exercise. And if you don't do that longevity, I mean, forget it, right? Cause you break a hip, you break a leg when you're 80 years old and you're not strong or you can't balance. I mean, that's where that death spiral starts. Um, on top of that, right? So people don't sleep enough, but now we have all these different ways to track sleep. You have, you know, the whoop or you know the wearable devices. Um, so. And everyone talks about sleep and I mean, none of us get enough sleep, right? Cause we're in the clinic working out at five o'clock in the morning. Um, and you wonder though, like what kind of downstream effect is something like that going to have on us for longevity, uh, chronic stress, people are under all this chronic stress. And I think everyone has, you know, whatever stressors in their lives, but how is that being managed? Um, uh, people eat too much, right? So from a nutrition standpoint, so I think from us, you know, some things that may change in our field is like we might have a nutritionist, we might have a you know mental health coach, we might have you know we have strength and condition now with rehab and have that whole sort of circle um, you know of experts in one spot, and the patient is sort of cycling through those people and and you know I think people would pay for that. I mean, they already I think do in slowly, the city. yeah.
0: Yeah, I think you're slowly starting to see that. Like you do see that some, you know, like we see it in the city where there are places where it's like, oh, we have a nutritionist here. We, You know, with us, we have a strength and conditioning specialist. Like, oh, we have someone who works with mental health. So, you know, I think that things are slowly changing to that model as well. You know, it's just right now, how accessible is it to everybody? Like how is health insurance going to, going to change for that as well? Uh, I think, you know, again, with us, I think our role in this whole new trend of medicine that's coming out is to help with that preventative part of that medicine. You know, traditionally, PT has always been, hey, you're going to come here because you've gotten hurt or you have pain. You know, it's still I know a lot of us advocate for the point where, well, why do you have to come with us right when you have pain? Why aren't you coming to us before that, you know, to make sure that you're, you know, you get a yearly physical to make sure that internally you're looking, okay, well, you know, where's the yearly uh, physical therapy, physical, where you're just making sure that you're functioning on an optimal basis. I feel like as we start to progress in medicine, that that
1: will be something that progresses with physical therapy as well. But then what are you doing when you're out of pain? That's the other thing, right? So then we have people that come back. So you're done with us. You're done with your exercises and you stop doing them. And then you come back because something else bothers you. You forgot or you didn't do something. So yeah, I think it's continuing with all that, and then, I mean, some of the big predictors of longevity now are strength and VO2 max, right? That's what everyone's talking about. So, no, you know, why couldn't you come in and get a strength assessment, a VO2 max, um, and maybe even like heart rate variability? Like hook them up to like an EKG and do heart rate variability, and just get someone's or have some formula where, <clears> or <throat> even a movement screen, right? Have someone come in do a movement screen. Do a strength test, do your VO2 max heart rate variability. And that could be a predictor, throw it out to chat GPT or some other AI software and say, all right, you're a predictor of longevity is X, or this is your score. Um, But I mean, that's sort of where I see it versus you come in, you have anterior knee pain. Here's your exercises, take a paper sheet um, and go do your stuff. I mean, it's, it's already become more customized than that. But I don't think that we're at the point where everybody collaborates yet. And I think that's, I mean, it's not our fault or it's not the therapist's fault around the country. I think it's just the system's fault where, you know, it's, you have to see volume depending on where you're at, some more than others. And you have to get, you know, this in. And, you know, right now we're working for to get everything medical records and, you know, that's the concern is we're almost, it does feel like we're treating a computer sometimes because you're trying to catch up on your notes. And I think this goes for every medical provider that I've seen in the last like five years, whether it's like a primary care physician or like a whoever it is. I mean, that's sort of what it's felt like. And I think patients definitely feel the same way sometimes, but it's not the provider's fault because that's just the, the strain of the system. But then I think that adds to like the chronic stress because you're trying to like take care of everyone. We want our patients to get better. And that's definitely what I'm thinking about when I'm treating them. But then I'm like, well, I want you to get better, but I also need to make sure that these notes are done, that I'm doing this and I've got everything else that I that's going on. It, it becomes tough. Yeah. Uh, I, right? I, I completely agree. I think, I, I think it is no, like a,
3: a kind of a, you know, the system is kind of broken. It's not an efficient system at all. You got to see this doctor before you see that doctor, you have to wait six weeks before you get an appointment with that doctor. You got to wait six weeks so you get an appointment with, with the physical therapist. Um, so nothing's really practical for it. Um, but, you know, I I agree. I think they're, you know, I'm hoping we're moving in that direction. I think it's going to take a really long. The insurance model is ever going to really support that. Um, but I think that's super easy to really do. Like, to, you know, your insurance company covers time realistically before you see any real change. Um, I almost think, like, people have to almost demand like this starts to happen, because I don't think, you know, the normal, a physical, not just with, you know, with the doctor, not just your blood pressure, cough twice type deal. It's you come in, you get a strength assessment, you get a movement assess or analysis, Um, you know, maybe hook them up, you do get their VO2 max, like you said, and we say, hey, this is where you're at. You know, here's some ideas of ways that, you know, uh, maybe some exercises or some activities that may be beneficial to you that fit what you're looking for. Um, and I think is something that I recommend or I suggest. And I think that's more than fair. Um, but I think realistically, it's, it would take a long time to, to get to that, unfortunately. No, I was just going to add on. I was going to add on that, too. I think one of the big things T said early on, because I, I hadn't been familiar with this concept, but two of the things I, I wrote down were just like early detection and prevention and personalization. And I think as technology evolves, like you guys said, with movement assessment and strength testing and. I don't see why this stuff just can't be done in a, a standalone testing center in some sort of way. And then with the power of computers and AI and it generates, here's your profile, your movement profile. These are things you may be at risk for, knee, back, hip pain based on your movement. And then here's how you want to attack it. Go see this profession or do this program. So I think as technology evolves, again, it'll be scaled to the the higher scale client or patient first because when things are introduced. It's usually expensive. I was gonna but say it's gonna take our jobs. Eventually, this stuff Fail. can. It may, it may replace kind of some of what we do. Uh, Maybe not everything, because there's there's a there's a rehab role. But I think it can um, be a standalone type thing where it, it guides people to the care that they need in a way that is individualized and personalized to them.
1: I, I think we're gonna have a very valuable role. I mean, I I just think that. From the rehab side, right? I mean, think about people as they age, right? And they want, our patients want to play sports. When I retire, you know, in 90 years now where I'm going to want to play golf, right? I haven't played golf once this year, but I'll blame kids' sports on that. But still, like, you need the, the, what are the basic requirements for movement? Like, there are screens. Can you stand on one leg? Can you balance, right? Can someone balance? And it's a lot harder for some of these older patients than you would think, you know, can you squat? Like, can you do these very basic, can you twist, right? Just like this SFMA, right? I mean, or just a simple movement screen like that. I just think that's, I mean, that itself would be valuable. And then to have a program and now digitally you can have, you know, you can send someone to their calendar, you know, six videos, six simple videos they can do on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever it is, however you want to program it. Versus letting, printing up a piece of paper, handing it to them, they leave the clinic and then the paper's in the garbage and you get an email saying, I forgot what I, what what you gave me. And then you have no idea what you gave them because you've seen 75 patients since then. So I just think there's such a better way to do what's being done. And to your point, yeah, it's got, probably going to be for, you know, the higher, you know, the, the people in that higher socioeconomic class right now, because they will pay for it and they're already paying for it. Um but yeah, I just think that that's, that that's the shift. Like it's happening. And I think that we need to figure out what our role is and then start sort of, you know, mastering our role or, or tweaking our role within that because you're going to see more and more people do it. And even over the last five, I mean, Patrick, how many people, how many of your patients, you know, over the last five years have, you know, gone to these concierge services just in the city? I mean, I, I've, five years ago, I never even heard of them. And now I feel like I hear about it at least once a week.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And it's uh, it's, it's that, that higher socioeconomic, like you said, and Robbie, you know, breezed over it, but you hit the nail on the head because this won't become a real thing until insurance starts recognizing it and, and paying for it. And then the the higher volume of the normal people can start getting it because right now it's it's not financially feasible to to do that at the at the, the large scale.
1: I just think for health also, there's got to be that whole, the whole team involved. I think nutrition is such a big part of it. And then sleep. I mean, people don't, I read, or I didn't read it. I actually listened to an audiobook. I think it's called the why we sleep and the science of sleep. And it's amazing after listening to that, that it good. is unbelievable how important sleep is. And no one, no one ever, I, I feel like we're talking about it more now, but it's something that should be focused on. I mean, people need to sleep, like the amount of that happens just from like a neurodevelopmental standpoint and what happens in the brain and and almost like it's unbelievable. I mean, driving sleep deprived is worse than driving intoxicated, (laughs) right? Which is wild.
3: Right. And like, isn't it something like if you don't sleep eight hours a night or seven hours a night, you're like 70 times more likely to. To have Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or something? Yeah, because at night well, that's
1: what they say. I mean, they say it's like uh, I think Peter Atias says that you know the like the channels in your brain. I'm going to completely butcher this, but you know think of it like the New York the channels in your brain like the New York City streets. And then at nights when you sleep, it's like those street cleaners come out and clear those pathways, right, which allows just like mental health and like the neuro developmental, whatever happening happened. So sleep is so important. And then nutrition, like what kind of nutritional supplements should we be taking now versus later? What can we take now to help us later in life? Like those are things people should know about. I mean, those are things I'm interested in now. Heart rate variability, where should we be exercising? Zone two, zone three, how long? Like for the standard person that's uninjured, I think all that education is so important to prevent the problems
0: it's kind of like you said, it's a whole team effort. You know, how many times have you seen a cuff repair Terrence who can't go to sleep and it just hinders their overall recovery? You know, you're doing everything that you can, but you know, it's, it's other things other than what we can provide that team can provide that that's going to help these people out at the end of the day. You know, maybe that's why people are going toward this cash-based service where they're like, Hey, listen, I can do this for my patients because it's a cash paid service, but, Again, I just think that for the regular population, I, you know, as the paradigm shifts, this is something that will shift at the end of the day so that more people are able to able to get the stuff that they need.
1: Sports rehab lab, longevity center. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Spot <laughs> you guys.
3: Total side note for a quick second. I didn't read the study, but any of you guys ever read that study? It just came out in the last couple of years on uh, grip strength and longevity. No, mm-hmm. no,
0: I haven't read it. But
1: what I do know is I have the the best grip strength in the clinic. But go okay. ahead. I'm pretty let's, sure. Let's didn't I. Beat that you is a like fact. That ago? is a fact. And what we'll do is we will test our grip strength tomorrow in the clinic. We'll put it on Instagram, and I will show you that I have the best. But you can't.
2: You can't even pick up a 45 pound. Wait, for what? For, uh, you can't, what? You can't plate. pick
3: up a watermelon. Plate. Water, you can't water, box jump 12 inches. I <laughs> <laughs> can't get your so feet box around. It's
1: more of a fear. The box jumps for me are more of a fear. I feel, inches? especially on those metal boxes, I could probably Ooh, get 12. 18 would be tough. I tried to dunk on an eight and a half foot rim in the driveway the other day. I think I tore my Achilles. I'll never try that You're again. I'll foot never try and four. dunk on an eight and a half foot rim. For those of you that don't know, that knows, Terrence matter. is
0: almost seven feet tall.
1: Yeah, with my, with, yeah. With my arms extended, I'm probably eight and a half feet. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, who's let, let's let's go to the hot seats. Who's getting that? You know, I got I got a couple hot seat questions. Let's go around the horn though with hot seat questions. Billy, yes. Any blowouts yet happen for you? I got for your baby, not you. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, Wait, you, that, you your baby. Did that, right? yeah, no, 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 no. I didn't baby him. Uh, uh, who, who's now. having my blowouts?
3: And some desk got tagged <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, Good I job. dodged it. Did you have pooped
0: on? <laughs> Terence, who is your favorite Francisco child? Your, oh. No, he's not your child. Who's your favorite child?
1: My favorite oh, child, Snae. Yeah. Oh, yeah. trying to get Sorry, the guy in trouble. Not doing it. Can't pick favorites. They're not They're listening. All the same. They're
3: not listening. Question.
1: <laughs> Pat, favorite right. breakfast food. Come on, really? Bacon, egg, and cheese. <laughs> Captain Crunch. <laughs> Bacon, egg, That's and me. cheese. You That's go me. bacon, yeah.
2: egg, and cheese. Of course, hundred so percent of the time, Robbie agrees.
1: Over a bowl of fruit loops. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> the, like a thousand What if agree. it was
1: Cocoa Krispies? No. And you have the chocolate milk left in the bowl. You, you could. No, we're not talking bowls bowls Long Island so bacon egg, hangover. and cheese so listen, or nothing. Long out here. Oh wait, hold on. Here comes a Long Island <clears throat> accent. So we're not talking <clears throat> hangover, food, right? so hangover food, right? So of course, hangover food. I'm having Chinese food for breakfast, and then I'm washing no, it down with a couple sausages No, not talking hangover food. breakfast. Yeah, Pat doesn't have say... that for breakfast. No, no Pat has it the... after after he's drank fifteen watermelon white claws. <laughs> white claws, and his wife peels them off the floor. He's like bacon and, and cheese, bacon and, and cheese. But you wake yeah. up in the morning and you open that cabinet. What are you? Hard-boiled what are you going eggs. for? Hard boiled eggs. Hard boiled eggs. Sure. Jesus yeah. Christ! You're passing on the Fruit Loops every time.
0: Hundred percent. What are you oh
1: five? God, I have a I handful of Fruit there's... Loops every time I walk past the cabinet.
2: I've had Fruit
0: Loops. Well, that <laughs> explains a lot then. <laughs> Wow. You. Uh, you're missing out, Robbie. You need Just let me you know. know. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Like, subscribe, comment on our face, on our Instagram page, sorry, and ask us questions. We're always happy to hear from you and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Sports Rehab Lab podcast. Like, rate, and subscribe. And please ask us questions by DMing us on our Instagram page at Sports Rehab Lab.